The holidays are a hectic time. There are parties for hosting, marshmallows for toasting, and students all sitting in rows. <laughs> We're just kidding. We know those kids aren't sitting still. The excitement around the holidays permeates into our schools. So many teachers unwind with predictable storylines, cheesy characters, and over-the-top romantic fantasies in the made-for-TV movies of the Hallmark and Lifetime channels. So why not cozy up in your favorite buffalo plaid throw and grab yourself a gourmet hot cocoa from your friendly neighborhood marketing executive turned barista. We are coming back home for the holidays to the twinkling lights and snow-covered winter wonderland we know and love for some pop culture connections. Happy holidays, Guild members, and welcome back to the Grounded Learners Guild Pop Culture Winter Wonderland. So remember, when we do pop culture playgrounds, or in this case, Winter Wonderlands, our intention is to have some fun, keep things low stress, and have content for you to engage with and enjoy, but to make it something chill, silly, fun, to wrap some last-minute gifts to, or just enjoy listening to during some downtime this holiday season. And to do that, we're bringing once again back our favorite little game, Six Degrees of Education, where we make a connection to television, movies, or a whole genre in this episode's case. And we connect six points of that thing to learning. For you, our listeners who are not new to this game and have been around a while, you know that we get into some norms, especially in this time when the editor, aka me, is like, hey, I also want some shorter ones to edit. So we also try to keep us on track and keep them short. So our norm is tonight. Let's see if we can hit it. 20 minutes. Can we do it? And then also the second norm is spoilers will follow. Let's just say with this topic of Hallmark holiday romantic comedies, they fall in love and they get together. There's the spoiler. Let's move on. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, surprise. <laughs> All right, everyone. So we're going to be talking about, like you said earlier, the whole genre of those rom-com holiday movies and all of the accompanying tropes that come with them. So, well, not all of them, or we'd be here all night. <laughs> no, we wouldn't hit that 20 minutes. No. But for those of us who maybe haven't seen very many of those or just want a, a quick run through, Casey, can you break it down? I will do my best and I will out myself here on this podcast. I do not watch these very often because you've seen one, you've seen them all. I can count on one hand the number of these movies that I have seen. However, my husband loves them very much. No kidding. <laughs> I, I literally, my jaw is on the floor, Casey, because I literally thought the reason why we're doing this topic this whole time was because you're a super fan. And it turns out it's Brian. Brian. So the Christmas Prince, the Christmas House, even my dad gets in on some of these. <laughs> It's like the men in my family just have this outlet of fantasy romance. Really, they all kind of start pretty much the same where you've got a female protagonist who starts a small business or has just recently left her corporate job. Usually, if she is with a guy at the start of the film, she is with the wrong guy. 
And the perfect Mr. Right is pretty much right in front of her that she has not seen. There's usually some holiday magic with other people, but this is a hard time of year for this main female protagonist. And over the course of the story, she finds a little bit more holiday sparkle and a lot of fake snow and real love by the end. Ah, adorable. So let's go ahead and start making some connections. Let's kick it off with the move from the big city to that small town back home. So I tend to think of the back home. It's always something kind of quaint and like really adorable, cute small town vibes. And when I think about all the cuteness, I can't help but think about the kids. So the move from being like in a bunch of meetings or being in a bunch of trainings or something, and then just being able to refocus on that time that you're spending with students in the classroom and really get into the teaching and learning the brass tacks of it and remembering what makes you you as an educator, because that's usually part of it too, right? These characters have lost touch with their sense of self in these big city, busy lives that they're leading, and then they come home and get back to why they are who they are and what they really want out of life. Corny, but true. Mine is not much different than yours, Emily. I was thinking of going back to where we pull a lot of our strategies from. And hopefully as an educator, you've got your tricks and what you need. And when it comes to holiday seasons, you really have to dig deep into that bag of tricks to know what you need to utilize in the classroom as a strategy that's going to work for kids in that hectic time. And then sometimes there's something that might be more novel or a little more true to yourself, even if it's not, quote unquote, the textbook strategy. Yeah. So one of the first things that I think of when I hear that the move from the big city to back home, sometimes we as educators get not sidetracked, but lured by the flash of that big, awesome new curriculum resource, right? That we it sort of takes a larger than life persona and forces us as educators to leave behind some of those tried and true practices like, hey, let me actually think about what my standard is supposed to be, what my ultimate root is that's supposed to ground my teaching, and getting caught up in all the flash of that big new curriculum resource or the initiative. So that's what I think of the big city and the return to back home, reconnecting with our roots. All right, so our next degree or connection is usually in these romantic made-for-TV movies. There are family secrets. So someone is actually royalty, but they're flying under the radar, or there's a secret family cottage that has the ability to make love connections. It's just a little bit weird, but there's oftentimes family secrets. Can we make any connections here? So the first thing this made me think of, and I'm not trying to get into controversial thinking or anything with this, but I think of the idea of how it can cause some difficulties, misunderstandings, or draw out the plot to make assumptions or presumptions about other people or even groups of people. So one of the things that we've talked about on the podcast before, and if we haven't, we've maybe referenced or considered, but how some people use the word those, like those teachers, those students. I think sometimes when you see these family secrets or somebody flying under the radar, you're looking at some sort of assumption or someone's projecting or portraying something to be a certain way and others are not. 
seeing what it truly is. And I think with that, we need to be aware of and consider the importance of looking what might be beneath the surface, because like you said, there's some real magic there. One of the things that I keep thinking of is we as teachers do the very, very best that we can to teach the students in front of us. And sometimes we use practices that are fun for kids and really exciting, but may not necessarily be research-based. And so when the big secret is finally revealed, there's a little bit of guilt. But at the end of the day, most of these movies, when the confession of the secret comes out, there is honest and genuine, like, I thought it was the best decision. I did the best that I could. And thankfully, in these movies, there's a lot of grace granted. And I think that's something we can learn from as parents, right, of granting grace to the educators who are doing the best that they can to teach the students in front of them with the tools they have available to them. Dude, I love that. I love that. That's so true. And I think it's a really good reminder to anyone listening out there that has kids in the education system, ourselves included, right? Sometimes being a parent and an educator can be really, really challenging as well. My connection for this one is along similar lines in the sense of mindset. So Mm -hmm. oftentimes you have a secret or something that, as Emily, you mentioned under the surface, because there's something either going on or something that you're uncomfortable with. And so mindset is one of those, especially in the professional learning circles that I'm finding more and more necessary to help people get to that place where they would like to try something different. But before they have that mindset shift, that's never going to happen. And so when you have those family secrets, until you bring those out into the open, until you have that mindset shift... Where is that learning headed, if at all? It's the, I think, the one of the hardest things to help somebody through or to help somebody grow into or out of. You have to be really open in order to do that. And in these stories, same thing is true. Those family secrets have to be brought into light to move the story ahead, to keep moving forward, to push beyond the status quo and honestly be an agent for change in the educational sphere. And what does that mean for the storyline? It's interesting the point you're making here, Jenny, because I want to try to make a connection between what you're describing and our next degree, and that is the romantic false lead. So the guy that the protagonist is initially or the heroine is initially with isn't the right person. And one of the connections that I'm able to make with this is so often I will hear teachers say, oh, we have all this curriculum to get through. We have all this to do. We have all this to cover. I've got to get through this content, right? But it's not about the content. It's about teaching the kids, not the content. So no matter how far you get through, if you're making gains and have that mindset that I'm here to teach content, you're going to have to shift that. And you'll find so much more joy if you focus on the right lead or the right thing or the right guy get that wrong one out yeah the one for my connection on this one i'm thinking about in my 16 years of education each season or different role that i've had where i thought i had the right role or the right fit or the right position and each time i've grown into a new one it's like oh i can do this oh i can do this one too oh, maybe that wasn't the right one. And this is the one I'm trying to learn and grow into as a professional. And that just makes me think also as a teacher that's, hey, I'm teaching third grade. Is that the right fit for me? Is that the right niche for me with these group of kids? And sometimes 
it's okay to step outside. Actually, I would encourage you to step out of your comfort zone. Maybe that is your false lead that you think you belong there. But have you tried to look beyond that role and see what else is there for you, especially if you have that little tinge of, hmm, maybe this one isn't the right one. Where am I meant to go next? I took this really differently. I kind of thought of the romantic false lead, uh, don't laugh at me too much, as like the other duties as assigned parts of our job. So like, <laughs> we all love those. I mean, seriously, who among us cannot think of that as distracting or taking away from and maybe even like slowing us down from that mm-hmm. optimized teaching and learning that we all are really striving for. And it doesn't mean that these people have wasted their time. And usually these romantic false leads aren't horrible people. I'm sure there's a few exceptions. Mm, there's there's so, some pretty wrong mm, ones, but that's okay. Okay, okay. <laughs> but that said, yeah. they, they're human beings. Not every other duty as assigned is the worst, I guess is what I'm saying. It, it, I'm not right. saying they're horrible. But when we think about the things that really drive us, that help us find and display passion, it's mm-hmm. usually not your hall duty, you know? So right. just going to kind of say that these are the things we are less passionate about, and on we move. No, I love that. We are on our fourth connection, and in the interest of time, we got to keep an eye on our time. The next connection is well-meaning meddling. So you have either a neighbor or an aunt of the heroine or protagonist, You have someone meddling into and trying to bring these two partners together. And I think I have a really funny connection for this one. And that is the coach who maybe comes on a little too strong. (laughs) We've all been there. Yeah. That's been me. So you have all of these great resources and you have all these tools to share and you pretty much spaghetti on the wall to this person. And they go in the other direction, which is kind of what happens sometimes during these holiday movies is there is a misdirection as a result of the meddling that occurs. So the very first thing I thought of was a coach like myself, when they come on a little too strong and spook the client, we're ultimately trying to help. I'm thinking of similarly, but not from the coaching realm. Come on, we've all been there. Regardless of industry, this isn't just education specific. Although if you are in education, you know what I'm about to describe. That could be your classroom neighbor. That could be your PLC mate. That's usually just a little too opinionated about how they're (laughs) doing it the right way. And hey, watch what I do. And it sometimes might rub you the wrong way. And you have to learn to work together and still get the job done. But then also be professional, kind and courteous. Well put. Mine was another slight departure from where either of you were thinking. So this is going to be another one of those golden ones where we're all a little bit different on it. But mine was more a lesson in the importance of clear concise and direct communication because usually like Mm -hmm. this meddling happens when like somebody's passing a message for somebody else think of that idea of why was this a meeting when it could have been an email or Mm -hmm. why was this an email sent out to everybody when it could have been just a person-to-person conversation when communication is taken and done in a way that loses the message it muddles things up just like it does when somebody's two nosy ants get in the mix and start Mm -hmm. trying to make stuff happen (laughs) it's not purposeful meddling when people are not communicating clearly, 
the end result is more or less the same. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. these movies would probably be hours shorter if people just had conversations, but right. the meddling wouldn't be a thing. Way to tag team that. Casey and Jenny bring out the frustrating problem and Emily slam dunks <laughs> the solution. Well done. Solution well done. in the same <laughs> degree. Emily, what your degree reminds me of connects to our fifth one which is the beautiful color-coordinated outerwear. Usually all of the visuals within the movies, it looks like they all came from the same catalog collection of outerwear. And to me, your connection was about the importance of leadership communication. This degree is about how sometimes our leaders focus more on perception and are consistently trying to manage perception and not really serving as that true instructional leader and model that our schools need them to be because they're focused on all of these other managerial or perception-related things. I can tag onto that one. (laughs) What first came to my mind working in a high school is there are a lot of dress-up days. There are, ah. there are a lot of, and there are times when the staff get involved or the staff don't get involved and do the high schoolers want it? Is it not something that you want your teachers to be following through with? And honestly, I find that the most successful dress-up days are the ones that are either student-led or even from the staff perspective that they're embracing it and bringing it on board. When it starts to become the administrator has purchased these t-shirts that we're all going to wear on the same mm-hmm. day and you're all like, come on, no, I'm not wearing that. It takes on a new Look tone and a new meaning. Yeah, Yeah. it loses the sparkle. So when it is a genuine grassroots effort, typically those are the most fun. They can't be too matchy-matchy, in my opinion. Ooh, okay, that's good. Mine was, again, completely different. I think this is just the thing that I'm doing today. So I'm just leaning into it. I was thinking about, like, Pinterest teaching. like. (laughs) Because again, think about it. It's like pretty and shiny and super distracting. I've often been like, ooh, I love her coat. I would wear a coat like that. And then I'm like trying to Google where to get a perfect red pea coat instead of actually paying attention to the movie. And like, I think like you can, you can, the pretty outerwear and the matchy matchy lovely stuff that's just on the outside. And it's just like that Pinterest or sorry, don't come for me, but teachers pay teachers. Some of that stuff that's Mm -hmm. pretty sparkly, but not a lot of substance. Okay that winter coat is beautiful, but this is not the point of the movie. Absolutely. And Jenny, I just want to throw in here, probably the best theme day I have experienced is bring your farm animal to school day. (laughs) What? (laughs) These kids take their tractors (laughs) and literally bring their farm animals to school. I saw somebody with a baby cow in its pen, <laughs> just hanging out. What? Oh my God. <laughs> yep. But all the kids, the parking lot is full of tractors with animals. <laughs> we can tell that you work in the oh. rural areas. You can. For you sure. Can, especially that one. My urban and suburban brain is like, oh my God, the poop. But go on. <laughs> <laughs> I will take your farm animals and raise you my favorite, which happened to be not a backpack day. Right. And kids could bring anything to carry their books in except for a backpack. There were people that brought a power wheel with their books in it. There were people with shopping carts, a kayak, a literal kayak. It was quite fun. That is amazing. But Norm's check, fam. We got to get back on track <laughs> yes, there. I'm sorry. One more. One more. 
And thankfully, it is the moment that we all wait for on Pins and Needles Edge waiting for the two love interests to finally come together in love's first kiss, snow falling, the Christmas lights that were broken 50 seconds before are now fully ablaze, and it's just this beautiful, beautiful moment. I'm on this. I'm thinking of the light bulb moment again. That is what we are going for as educators. We want to see that moment where genuine learning happens or where like somebody comes with this amazing demonstration of what they've learned or this teacher is finally ready to be deeply coached. And it's just like, boom, fireworks, beautiful lights, fake snow everywhere. Mm -hmm. The thing we all want and we get it and everyone is so happy. That's it. That's what we want. That's so wholesome. And of course, where I go with this. I was thinking data, like you're hoping for like, (laughs) I was like, you're hoping for the data. Really? (laughs) That's romance right there. I know, right? Talk data to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's where I went. You're hoping for the data to all shake out. I love you, Jared. Oh, and here's my data showing why this is a good idea. That's (laughs) hilarious. I love it. And Emily, mine was related to what you had shared, the light bulb moment. When you finally are working with a teacher who is seeing the results of the coaching that they are getting, the conversation is helping them grow, and you as a coach are growing as well. It just seems like a perfect match made in heaven with snow falling. So mine was exactly the same as yours. All right. You all ready for a game? Hallmark holiday movie inspired game? Mm-hmm. Let's go. Oh, show. Awesome. Okay. Truth talk to our listeners here. We initially had prepared this episode for last winter. So I cannot actually remember the answer. So I'm excited. I get to play. Let's tell our listeners why we didn't actually do this one. We, we pulled an audible late in December. Oh, yeah. It was we because did. of we Betty, did. right? Yeah. So at the time, right before we were going to record this particular episode, we found out about the passing of the amazing Betty White. So we swapped that episode for our last pop culture winter wonderland on Betty White, honoring and that one, her life and legacy. And that one turned out to be such a good one. Go back and listen if you haven't. Absolutely. So this game is we have to try to spot the fake title of the Hallmark Holiday Movie. So I have four titles here, and we have to try to figure out which one is not actually the holiday movie. The first one is Battle of the Bulbs. The story behind this one is you've got two rival homeowners competing against each other for the best holiday decorations. North Pole, open for business. So this is the story of a woman who starts her own business in a small town after leaving the big city. Rebel Without a Clause, a woman who's a risk taker, returns back to a small town after her motorcycle breaks down and has to essentially find love and find herself on the right path. And A Christmas Wedding Tale, a story told from the perspective of two dogs who fall in love. Oh, my gosh. I'm just going to come in hot on this, and I'm going to say Battle of the Bulbs. Why? I don't know. Okay, Jenny, what's your guess? Rebel Without a Clause, A Christmas Wedding Tale. Wait, those those are two different movies. (laughs) Jenny! (laughs) 
Rebel without a clause. (laughs) So she finds the true meaning of Christmas. She's the badass chick who gets stuck in this small town and eventually falls in love. Why do I and play right, games? Right. I, there's the there's, <laughs> and the one a Christmas wedding movie is and doggy the animal one different. is the animal oh, one. Oh, whatever. I'm also lost because when you said one of the titles, you said North Pole open North for business, open for but you said business. For Christmas. You said roll back the tape, and so I'm confused. Oh snap! <laughs> I'm gonna oh, go I'm pick. Sorry, <laughs> North Pole open for Christmas. Oh, okay, open for Christmas. I don't care. My track record is horrible. I'll still go with A Christmas Wedding Tale. I don't think that one's the real one. Okay. So the dog, <laughs> or the animal one is the fake one. Yeah. I think it's Rebel Without a Clause. I think that was the one I made up. Well, if it's that one, I also win because I said that too. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? And so literally Veach is Googling real quickly to find this answer because she wrote it a year ago. Yes. Okay, so the first real one is from 2011. It stars Tom Arnold, Jenny Garth, and Jay Moyer. It is a Christmas wedding tale. So that is a real movie, the one with the animal. Of course, she found that one first. I was pretty sure that one. Because I thought, oh my God, it can't be freaking real. And it was. (laughs) Dogs and Um, kids are a staple. We could have done one about that. Yes. The next one is from 2010, starring Daniel Stern. Yep, he was actually in Home Alone. Yeah, he was in The Robbers, right? And that is Battle of the Bulbs is a real movie. No. <laughs> Warring Neighbors, yep. Dang it. Welcome um, to the Loser Club, Em. Womp womp. <laughs> what if we all lose? That'd be a GLG first. I'm okay with it. In 2015, there was a movie put out starring Lori Laughlin and Dermot Melroney called North Pole, Open for Christmas. And this oh, stars a... She's already gloating. ...who has to run her aunt's once majestic inn. She decides to fix it up and sell it. So that means Rebel Without a Clause. Hallmark, it's copyrighted. You can't take my movie idea. <laughs> Everybody get ready hey. for that Sons of Anarchy and Christmas movie mashup. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just confirm that it hasn't been made <laughs> in the last year. <laughs> oh, so the closest one is Rebel Without a Cause, which is not a Christmas movie at all. No, that's a James Dean movie. <laughs> We're good. Wait, No. It's a book. Rebel Without a Clause is a book. It is not a movie. No, stop it. (laughs) Yes. Does this technically count as our first loss or no? I don't know. I mean, it's which holiday Hallmark movie. It's not a Hallmark movie. So. Well, darn it. I was about to award some non-prizes like trapping us all in a snow globe with like fake snow or something. (laughs) awesome well from our glg family to yours we wish you all an amazing happy holiday and thank you for joining us on this episode stay tuned for a couple more we've got a few more winter wonderland in our pocket can't wait to enjoy some more and that's a wrap it's so good to be behind the mics talking to you all thanks for choosing to come around to engage with our guild's content as we passionately continue to advocate for adult learners with transparent conversations about the world of education, impactful leadership, and the power of high-functioning teams. If you'd like to connect, 
The power of the PLN continues as always, and you can find us on our website, thegroundedlearnersguild.com, and on Twitter at GroundedLGuild, at CVeacher, at TechCoachM, and at Jenny Labrie using the hashtag GLGPodChat. Do you even realize your feedback is everything? Feedback is a powerful tool that allows us to be responsive to the topics that matter to you most. If you haven't yet already, or are finding us for the first time, how about leaving us a review, as well as subscribing? You can find us wherever you stream. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to be a part of the Grounded Learners Guild. That's it for us, Casey, Emily, and me, Jenny, in today's episode. See you at the next Guild meeting. And don't forget, in the meantime, do your best to stay grounded.